Well, I took a stroll down the old long walk on the day I met a little girl and we stopped to talk on a fine sub day. I asked you, friend, what's a fella to do? Cause the hair. Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. 
St. Louis and all parts north, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court with Kevin Slayton. I'm Kevin Slayton. How do you do? Cold, windy, rainy day in the Midwest as spring grabs a hold of us with some rotten weather. Going to rain all week. I'll be a birthday boy this weekend. It's supposed to rain that day too, but we don't count birthdays anymore anyhow. So who really cares? Not me, said the Fox. There's a lot of ground to cover today, as you might expect. But we welcome you into the show, which brings you the unvarnished truth, backed by facts and evidence. We don't care where it leads. We actually follow the facts and the evidence, unlike prosecutors who lie and say that's what they do, unlike judges who lie and say that's what they do, unlike political hacks who always lie no matter what. We are here to hold people's foot to the fire, or feet to the fire in some cases. And that includes senators, congressmen and women, judges, lawyers, presidents, vice presidents. Does it matter to them what we believe? No. But we don't just give you what we believe. We give you the facts. You can determine for yourself if you adhere to facts, or if you'd rather be stuck in the mud with your head up your ass and you believe the media. It's up to you. Facts, media. Facts, politicians. It's a pretty simple call for me. Back when I was deciding to take this route on my radio show, we used to do sports, as you well know. I decided, you know, it is time someone did this. I was acting on the advice of Howard Cosell, who many years ago told me the secret to success in doing a broadcast is to find the open spot, the vacancy, and fill it. So where's the open spot in broadcasting? Telling the truth. It was pretty obvious. Fill it. And so we fill it every day. We usually use the words of the offenders to fill the void for you and show you who's telling the truth. They indict themselves. They always do. And there's no bigger case of that than this morning with Michael Cohen, who was once an attorney for Donald Trump, who has lied so often that he's one of the few in history who've actually been convicted of perjury. Almost everybody in the history of Washington, D.C. has lied. Many lied under oath and none get charged, much less convicted. But Cohen found his way to conviction. That's how prolific a liar he is. And we have to salute this morning one attorney by the name of Robert Costello. Now you say, who who is he? I've never heard of him. Well, we didn't hear of him until yesterday. When acting on his own, he called the grand jury and called the district attorney's office in Manhattan, wanted to testify in in front of the grand jury. Wasn't called as a witness. Volunteered 
You're going to hear why he volunteered. He once represented Michael Cohen. Now you're scratching your head and you're saying, yeah, but how could he testify about anything that Michael Cohen told him? Isn't there this thing called attorney-client privilege? And the answer would be, you're very smart. Yes, there is an attorney-client privilege, and it carries a lot of weight. It doesn't allow, for instance, an attorney to reveal details of any conversations that he had with his client, unless, of course, the client told him, I'm going to assassinate the president, or some heinous behavior such as that. But when your client tells you things, you have to keep it between the two of you, unless that client waives the privilege. Michael Cohen long ago waived the privilege, then claimed later that he didn't waive it. Well, last night on national television, Robert Costello held up the waiver with Cohen's signature plain for all to see. There are so many liars involved in this Trump orbit, it's incredible. It's just incredible. And they're always targeting not only Trump, but everyone in his immediate orbit. Look at all the people who've been involved in the Trump administration, who've been targeted by this weaponized Department of Justice, this rotten scoundrel Merrick Garland, who Alan Dershowitz defends as an honorable person. Come on, Alan Dershowitz, you lose your credibility when you do something like that. The facts say otherwise, and you're a guy who believes in facts. You believe in the Constitution. Merrick Garland tramples the Constitution repeatedly, routinely, without giving it a second thought. But we've got a liar, a convicted liar, and that's all they have. This same convicted liar told his attorney, Robert Costello, back in the days when Cohen was under siege by the Justice Department, that Donald Trump didn't know anything about this supposed payment to Stormy Daniels, this extortion payment. We forget here that Stormy Daniels extorted money from Donald Trump. She tried to extort a lot of money. Michael Cohen paid her. Donald Trump didn't pay her. And you say, oh, come on. Surely Trump knew of it. Not according to Michael Cohen, who told his own lawyer that Donald Trump did not know of it. Now sings a different tune, though. Now he says Trump knew about it, of course. And that somehow this is a crime. Here's what you need to know on background before we get anywhere near deeply into this today. The Federal Elections Commission examined this supposed payment and determined it was not a violation of campaign finance laws. No violation. The U.S. District Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York in Manhattan looked at this case, determined no foul. No crime, nothing. Investigation ended. Alvin Bragg, the local district attorney in New York City, originally said, Nothing to see here. Then, my assumption in this case is, he began to get pressure from all the liberal freaks. Wait a minute, 
you're not going to get Trump for us? That means he's going to be able to run. And if he runs, he'll beat us. You can't have that. Alvin Bragg, you ran for district attorney in New York saying you'll get Trump. It's time for you to put up. We put up for you. You can almost hear George Soros having this conversation. I got you elected. Now you return the favor. Rid me of Trump. It's stunning, really, the the level of corruption in government, in prosecutors' offices in this country, and you find it everywhere. You found it right here in St. Louis. Kim Gardner does it on a routine basis, daily. We have as many criminals in government or in prosecutors' offices around this country than we do out robbing banks and committing murders. That's a sad state of affairs, but it's true. All you have to do is look. <laughs> Go back to the Duke Lacrosse case and the prosecutor Nifong in that case. Hit exculpatory evidence. He was okay if five Duke Lacrosse players went to jail for the rest of their lives for rape as long as he got reelected. He was okay with that trade. So that's what he did. He hid the evidence that would have exonerated all five of the players in order to curry favor with the black vote in North Carolina so that he could get reelected. It was discovered. He was disbarred for the rest of his life, but he only spent one day in jail. This is what happens in our system, the two-tiered justice of system, uh, two-tiered system of justice that prevails in this country. And Dershowitz mentioned it, saying that Trump is a separate one, but I would go further. It isn't just Trump. It's every government official versus the rest of us. Those are the two systems of justice. And Trump is in the category of the rest of us. They have a special hatred for him because he beats them all the time. But look what a district attorney in North Carolina did to five innocent kids. He didn't blink. Didn't bat an eye. Prison life term, so what? I get reelected. Kim Gardner, I'll get Eric Greitens for you, George... Soros, you got me elected and you told me to get Greitens. I'll get him. doesn't matter that she hired an outside investigator who perjured himself. Felony perjury seven times. Seven counts, seven felony counts against him. Doesn't matter. Eric Greitens had to resign. I don't believe he should have resigned, but as he explained to us on the show, he did so because his kids were being inundated. And that's how the, the left works. They attack your family. But what you're going to hear today is a special case with regard to President Trump. So head to Taco Bell, one of the locally owned and operated Taco Bells. Grab your items off the dollar crave menu for breakfast. Kick back, relax, and listen to a tale that you will have never heard before in your life. A tale of corruption, a tale of prosecutorial misconduct, a tale of illegalities, In a grand jury system, a tale of a prosecutor who doesn't even know what the statute of limitations means, and a tale of liberals out to get a president. The biggest crime, in my opinion, in the history of the country. If you want to talk about the mother of all election tampering, this is it. 
But get that grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits off the dollar crave menu. Add a double stuffed taco, it's just a buck two, or a grande burrito for a dollar. Or get your breakfast quesadilla from Taco Bell, that's just under two dollars. Throw a little steak on there, it's under three dollars. They have a five dollar crave menu as well. You can get a double chalupa with two tacos in a box and a soft drink for five bucks. Don't forget, they've brought the Mexican pizza back and it's sensational. It's been great for the basketball tournament. They have two different AM crunch wraps for you under $3, a grande scrambler under $3. I support and always will locally owned and operated businesses. There are locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations in our area. And here's where they are in Missouri, Chesterfield Valley, Washington, St. Clair, Union, Jackson, Cape Girardeau. In Illinois, they're in Waterloo. They're in the state capital, Springfield, where Porky Pig is praying that Trump doesn't run. In Decatur, Jerseyville, Salem, Carbondale, DuCoin, Troy, and Columbia, Illinois, all are the home of locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. So let's begin, shall we, in examining what's going on. Alvin Bragg is no different than Cory Bush. He's an incompetent boob, but he's black, so George Soros decided to back him, as he did Bush, as he did Gardner, in order to get Donald Trump. He wanted Cory Bush in to join the defund the police crowd. He wanted Tashara Jones, excuse me, Kim Gardner in, so that she could bring down Eric Greitens, and he wanted Alvin Bragg in to get Donald Trump. Doesn't matter how much you have to lie to get him, just get him. So Alvin Bragg is nothing more than a political hack. He's a boob. He doesn't know the law. He doesn't understand basic stuff. How he got through law school is beyond me. Did they just confer a degree on him because he's black? It's quite possible. Because he doesn't know the law. He's made that clear. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that President Trump was guilty of a misdemeanor crime here. The statute of limitations has long ago passed. It passed two years ago. Which means you can't bring a case against someone for a crime that's no longer even viable, if it were ever a crime. But it's not a crime. So that's the twofold attack. It's not a crime, and if it were, the statute has passed. Either way, you can't bring a case. But he did, or he's going to, from what we hear. He hasn't done it yet. My greatest kick was watching some of the coverage yesterday afternoon after Robert Costello, Michael Cohen's former attorney, had testified voluntarily in front of the grand jury. It was a last-minute surprise because they never asked him to testify. And they had legal experts on who said, because after the testimony of Robert Costello, Alvin Bragg and his gang of criminals in the prosecutor's office in New York said there would be no need for rebuttal testimony from Michael Cohen. So they all said that is a big indicator that whoever this witness was, they didn't know it was Robert Costello, whoever this witness was, he didn't do any damage to the prosecutor's case. So little damage that they felt they didn't even need Michael Cohen to come in and testify against what was said. That was the consensus of the legal experts around the country yesterday afternoon. 
That's a big oopsie because once they found out it was Robert Costello, and once they found out what Robert Costello had to say, now we understand why Cohen wasn't called back in. It wasn't because Costello didn't kill their case. It's because he did kill their case. And no amount of lying from Michael Cohen at this point can save their case. It's over. I don't believe Donald Trump will be charged. I know all of the media conjecture is he will be. I don't believe he will be. And he won't be because of the testimony of Robert Costello. There is no more powerful testimony than a highly decorated prosecutor himself who worked in the Southern District of Manhattan as Deputy U.S. Attorney, who was represented in this testimony by the former chief of that office. So there's nobody who has more credibility than this guy. You couldn't have a better witness if you were President Trump and you created one. In addition... The federal district court judge, Beryl Howell, another liberal appointee, ordered one of Trump's attorneys by the name of Evan Corcoran to testify in front of the grand jury and special counsel Jack Smith. (laughs) Now, as one person said, whenever prosecutors target the attorneys, that's usually a good indication their case is weak. If they had a real case, they wouldn't need to play corrupt games with the Constitution. Alan Dershowitz says that any attempt to force a client's attorney to testify had to have been taken to Merrick Garland for approval. So it goes all the way up the chain. Now, what does that mean? That means Joe Biden's aware of it. That means Biden has given his blessing for this witch hunt against Donald Trump. He knows Trump will likely be his opponent, and he wants to end that conversation right now. This is the most widespread story of corruption in the history of the United States government. Watergate doesn't come close. That's minor league stuff. This is the this is bigger than the rigging of the 2020 election, and that was huge. We've often noted that the Democrats won't stop cheating until you stop them. No one has stopped them yet, and here they are again. This time the cheating is disguised in a an attempt to bring Donald Trump in with handcuffs on so they can take a mugshot and splatter it all over every liberal publication in the country so that voters will have that ingrained in their head. I can't vote for a guy who I just saw his mugshot. That's all this is about, and it's about nothing else. Michael Cohen should be back in jail for the amount of libelous, slanderous lies that he told under oath in front of this grand jury. Imagine a convicted perjurer who's already served some time in jail, even though he swore he would not, lying again. Now you say, well, how do I know he's lying? I don't know. But Robert Costello does. And how does Robert Costello know? Because Robert Costello represented him and has 330 emails from him saying the opposite of what he testified to. That's how I know. Our phone lines are open as they always are, 636-538-0746. 
So we've had the Federal Election Commission decided it was nothing but a personal expenditure, if indeed it was even made. U.S. District Court says nothing there. And yet here we sit. How can that be? Robert Costello himself, the former legal advisor and representative of Michael Cohen himself, decided on his own to testify. I'm the one who decided to do this. A lot of people cautioned me against it because I had nothing to gain. The only thing I'm doing is trying to tell the truth to the grand jurors because I read all these lies in the, in the media that are being promoted by one side. If you see the full picture, you know, listen, if they want to go after Donald Trump and they have solid evidence, so be it. But Michael Cohn is far from solid evidence. This guy, by any prosecutor's standard, and I used to be deputy chief of the criminal division in the Southern District of New York, I wouldn't have touched a guy like Michael Cohn, especially if he's a convicted perjurer. Not to mention, as I said, the 50 to 100 lies he told us that are in those 330 emails. 330. Do you know how many they asked him about? This team of prosecutors, 10 prosecutors we hear. Some say eight, some say 10. We're in this grand jury proceeding. Never in the history of a grand jury has that happened. That's the kind of effort with taxpayer money that Alvin Bragg brought to try to bring down Donald Trump. And when it didn't work, when they wouldn't ask him about the other 324 emails, Robert Costello volunteered it. Now, why would a guy get involved? You heard him say that people advised him against it because he has nothing to gain. And in this country, people rarely do the right thing unless they have something to gain. We're not a country of honorable, decent people. We're a country of people who only act honorably if they can gain something from it. I called them up uh, after I saw Michael Cohn on TV stating things that he said he was going to tell the grand jury and had told the grand jury that were contrary to what he told us when we first represented him in April of 2018. So I'm sitting at home watching these lies, and I said, I've got to do something about it. I don't represent Donald Trump, but I do stand for justice, and I think I have a legal obligation to inform both sides. So that's what I did. And that's exactly what he did. And it was a bomb. It was a bomb. The biggest part, in my opinion, is when Robert Costello testified that Cohen told him Donald Trump didn't even know he was paying Stormy Daniels with a check. Yes, absolutely. He said that. He said that? You know, that's what he said at the time. Is it true? I don't know. Did you tell the grand jury that? Yes, I did. But I had to force that into an answer. They were getting upset because they'd asked me a limited question based on one of these six emails, and I would volunteer information that I thought the grand jury needed to hear. Did you hear what he said? It pissed off the prosecutors that Robert Costello offered truth that they didn't know about or that they ignored. They didn't like it. Hey, buddy, don't you tell this grand jury the truth. We're asking you something else. But he's a smart guy. So rather than answer the question they asked, he answered the questions that the grand jury needed to know. 
Robert Costello is going to go down in history as one of the great Americans of all time. As I said, nothing to gain. In fact, a lot to lose. Because if they'll aim their crosshairs at Donald Trump, they'll now aim them at Robert Costello. I hope he's lived the perfect life because otherwise they're coming after him. As Michael Cohen was facing prosecution for his own lies and his own crimes, to hear Robert Costello say it, he was representing Michael Cohen, a complete and utter psychopath who was stalking back and forth on the top of a table and over 20 times pointed at Costello and his associates, telling them he would do anything, say anything, to not go to jail. Guys, I want you to know, I will do whatever the F I have to do. I will never spend one day in jail. Now, what he's saying is I'll lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody. I will not spend a day in jail. Do you think a guy whose mentality is that is going to not admit that he has information on Donald Trump? But having said that, the DA's office didn't ask me questions to bring that up. And... I, I brought it up anyway. I didn't. I ignored their questions and simply gave them the information. This guy's a hero. He is a guy with a spine. This, is, this should be taught in every law school in America. Be like Robert Costello, not like Cohen. Michael Cohen is everything a lawyer shouldn't be, and he is the poster boy for all of what most people think of the legal profession. Robert Costello, on the other hand, is not. He is to be held up and admired. So, as he said, if Cohen had anything on Donald Trump, when he's telling you that he'll say anything to avoid jail, he certainly would have told them about it back then. But he admitted he had nothing. Now, all of a sudden, he has something? Really? And we're to believe that? To believe that? To believe that, you'd have to be insane. Or one of the dumbest liberals on earth. Well, I shouldn't say one of the dumbest liberals. They're dumb. As a group, they're dumb. I had a conversation with a brother of mine at lunch yesterday. Didn't end well for him. But he's a liberal and he mouths off with no information to back it up, like he always does. So when they get called on it, they start calling you names. I was told that I was an embarrassment because I stated facts. He claimed that three people were murdered by the protesters on January 6th. And I said, well, where's the evidence of that? In fact, not three people. They weren't murdered. They weren't killed. The only person killed was Ashley Babbitt and another woman who was trampled by the cops. Well, I could show you video. I said, well, be my guest. Pull it up. Of course he couldn't because it doesn't exist. But that's how liberals are. They're the embarrassment. They embarrass themselves, their families, and everybody associated with them. Because there's a severe mental disconnect in the mind of a liberal. They think they can say anything, and their answer to justify it is, well, because it is. Well, that doesn't wash. Your word means nothing. Back it up with evidence. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. Excuse my language. 
So this is where you sit with Cohen. He has nothing. And we know that he has nothing because that's what he told Robert Costello. Now, after Robert Costello testified yesterday and faced the microphones, caught off guard was one Michael Cohen. So he had to issue a response to Robert Costello's testimony. He says, if Bob Costello's comments were any more fantastical, I'm not even sure if fantastical is a word, he would be a best-selling fiction author. It's important to note, I stated years ago, that the payment was done at the direction of, in coordination with, and for the benefit of Donald. Except that's not true. This guy continues to lie in the face of factual evidence against him. Robert Costello has the emails where he admitted that Donald Trump didn't know anything about it. He then says, Cohen does, truth is truth, and the documents in the possession of the District Attorney of New York demonstrate this. Truth is truth, says a convicted perjurer. Claiming that Robert Costello, a highly decorated Deputy District Attorney in the U.S. US Attorney's Office in the Southern District of, of New York, that he's a liar and not Michael Cohen. Somebody's lying. One of the two is lying. Who would you believe? The highly decorated former Deputy District Attorney in a, the most important office in America? Or a guy who has lied repeatedly, has 330 emails of lies to refute what he's saying now, has been convicted of lying, has been sentenced to jail for lying, and has served time for lying. But we should believe him because, like a liberal, he says truth is truth. doesn't matter if you back it up. Truth is truth. Bob Costello's comments are fantastical. A fiction author. We know what Costello has said. We just heard him. And I wonder if Bob uh, Bob Costello thinks they'll indict Donald Trump. I I can't say that. Could you really? You just don't know. I can't read people's minds. I could see certainly a few of them were doing what you're doing right now, shaking your head up and down. Uh, But not everybody. So I just don't know. I would love for those people to watch TV or something tonight or just remember what I said and say to the uh, prosecutors, listen, we'd like to see the rest of those emails. Don't cherry pick six emails out of 330 and then ask Costello questions about it. That's not fair by anybody's standard. That's selective prosecution. Once again, if you listen to the statement of Michael Cohen that I just read, there isn't one factual statement that he made, not one, to contradict Robert Costello, other than... Cohen saying, it's fantastical, it's fiction. Well, well, give me an example. What did he say that was fictional? What did he say that was fantastical? What did he say that was a lie? Michael Cohen doesn't offer any. Because he can't. He knows it. He knows he's been caught. And that's a big uh uh-oh for Michael Cohen. Because that means he could be going to jail again. Should be, not could be, should be. But because he sucked up to the right Democrats, he probably won't be.
liberal sickness is all over this country. It, it has infected every level of government and life. David Schoen is also an attorney. He was one of the attorneys that defended President Trump in the impeachment sham. And he talked about the credibility of Robert Costello. He's entitled to great credibility, and they only heard from him begrudgingly. They only let the grand jury hear six of his 330 emails, and he had to continually keep telling the story about what he knew. They had eight prosecutors in there. They didn't want the grand jury to hear the truth. They didn't want the grand jury to hear the truth. It's amazing, isn't it? Another thing that Cohen tried to do that I referred to earlier in the show this morning was claim that now Robert Costello has violated his attorney-client privilege. Robert Costello shot that down out of the sky last night when he held up, as I referenced earlier in the show, the signed waiver of attorney-client privilege from Cohen. You know how he got that? The U.S. Attorney's Office called Costello a few years ago when he was representing Cohen said they'd like him to come down and talk. And Cohen, uh, Costello said, I assume then that you have a waiver of the attorney-client privilege. And they said, we do. He said, send it over. And they sent it over. Subsequently, Cohen has met with these quote-unquote investigators in Alvin Bragg's office over 20 times and claims he forgot that he signed an attorney-client privilege now Not once in the 20 meetings did they ask him about it, if you're to believe them. So by that admission, they are either the most incompetent band of criminal lawyers you'll ever meet in your life, or they're pathological liars. Which would you rather be? An incompetent boob or a pathological liar? Those are your choices. There is no door number three. That's what they are. One of the two. Jonathan Turley, another attorney and a legal scholar at George Washington University, has never been a Trump supporter. Didn't vote for Donald Trump. He has said it many times. Andrew McCarthy is a former U.S. District Attorney in the Southern District of New York. Both of them weighed in on what they consider to be a political prosecution. This is a political prosecution. Bragg himself threw a flag on this play when he came into office. He stopped this case from moving forward. No one who was not Donald Trump would conceivably be charged with this, where he's being super aggressive, even though he's incredibly not aggressive when it comes to, like, real crime in New York. (laughs) And you wonder, was Donald Trump blindsided by this? Was he surprised that Bragg has leaked out as they always do, to their favorite media friends at the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, that it was they were, that they were on the verge of arresting President Trump to the point where President Trump said he expected to be arrested today. Now, that was before the last-minute testimony of Robert Costello and Bragg's office issuing a statement saying there would be no rebuttal evidence called from Michael Cohen. That means they know Cohen's been destroyed. Cohen can say whatever he wants. The people that were using him 
now know he's been destroyed. And yet, all over New York last night, and you ask yourself, how did this happen? How did they know? The local government was putting up barricades and the like, expecting major protests today. So is Bragg going to announce charges today? This morning, reports are that it won't happen if anything happens. It won't happen until next week. Why is that? I guess they took a gut punch yesterday from Costello and they have to reassess their lies. Should we go forward with this lie and make monkeys out of all of us? Or should we just quietly go away into the night and blame Michael Cohen and pursue him? That's their out. Their out is to say, you know what? We were misled by Michael Cohen. Shame on us for being so stupid as to listen to a convicted perjurer. But we did. And so to rectify our mistake, we're going to put Michael Cohen back in jail. At least they'll be able to say, with some degree of credibility, we got the right guy. Now we'll see if they do that. So was Trump surprised by this, blindsided by it all? Probably was surprised that Robert Costello went in to testify on his behalf. Probably the last guy that he expected to go in and testify as it turns out, on Donald Trump's behalf. I mean, after all, Costello represented Cohen at one point. Alina Haba is one of President Trump's attorneys, and she says they weren't really that surprised. We knew that they had a DA. We have another Michael Cohen special uh, that's happening here, and this will be the first time ever if they do go ahead and try and indict a former president. Number one, that a former president's been indicted, which is a sad day in our country. And number two, that somebody gets indicted and gets charged with some, with being extorted, because that is actually what happened. Let's remember that she wanted payments, hush money payments, they call them, this is something that a lot of people have gone through when, when somebody sues them and then they settle a case. But this is somebody who creates a story, goes and tries to go to the press, gets paid by his uh, old attorney who advised right. him so. And that, let's not forget, there was an attorney involved here who did the payment, you know, and, and orchestrated it. Mr. Cohen, lovely face. Can't can't wait to see him in court again soon. Uh, he's ahead in the polls. If he wasn't ahead in the polls, if he wasn't running for president, I highly doubt this would be happening. Carpe diem, Alina Haba. She's 100% right. She's the attorney who told Donald Trump, if you want this to stop, don't run. That's pretty good legal advice, but we have to tip our cap once again to Donald Trump. Is there anybody, anybody ever in our nation's history that has stood up to more attacks than Donald Trump and still keeps swinging? Dave is up. Good morning, Dave. Oh, we lost Dave. All right, Dave can call us back then. But no one has stood up to to this criminal element in government like Donald Trump has, this criminal element in the media. Ron DeSantis, of course, was tracked down. They wanted his comment because the liberal media loves now to hear DeSantis go after Trump. Well, he really didn't. He may have surprised them, and what he did do was genius on his part. DeSantis was able to call it what it is, a political prosecution, and at the same time, take a subtle swipe at Donald Trump. And here it is. I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. We are not involved in this, won't be involved in this. 
Uh, I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus by some Soros DA. I've got real issues I got to deal with here in the state of Florida. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved in this, but here's what I think of the porn star payment. It was brilliant, actually, on DeSantis's part. He was able to take a subtle swipe at Trump and not look bad doing it and then say the truth that this is a political prosecution, which is exactly what it is. Good for you, Ron DeSantis. You, you walked that little tightrope perfectly. John Kennedy knows that Bragg is way out of line here. But is he a... Prosecutor, or is he just another activist like Cory Bush? He's more of an activist than, than an impartial prosecutor. He believes cops are a bigger problem than criminals. He refuses to prosecute many crimes. He's the one who tried to prosecute Mr. Jose Alba, the bodega mm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. proprietor, when he, was, when he had to stab a robber to, to, to save his own life. He can do a lot of damage here to a very important institution if he's not careful. Let's not forget what he brought up. This prosecutor arrested that bodega owner and charged him before public pressure forced him to drop that case. An elderly guy defending himself against a thug, it was all on videotape, who's trying to kill him acts in self-defense and stabs the criminal and this clown arrested the bodega owner. That makes you wonder why. Alba was not black. The criminal was. Bragg is black. Alvin Bragg has more blood on his hands in New York City than anyone else in the history of that state and that includes the serial killer Andrew Cuomo. So you've got a serial killer that was once your governor, and you are responsible for more bloodshed than he is. Because you keep letting these violent criminals back out on the street. For no reason. Or you just won't prosecute them at all. Dave is up. Good morning, Dave. Kevin, uh, first of all, I apologize for calling twice today, and then I apologize again for not knowing how to use a cell phone. Well, the, the latter was the key. <laughs> hey, uh, I was listening to Dan Bongino's show yesterday. He was being a former Secret Service agent. According according to him, he quoted the statute, but I don't remember. Uh, basically, uh, the Secret Service has Alvin Bragg by the short hairs. According to him, the Secret Service dictates anything and everything that happens to Donald Trump. So if Alvin Bragg wants Donald Trump in, in the uh, Huskow there, the Secret Service can come in and take over. Uh, what Bongino said is if they interfere with the protection of the Secret Service, they are subject to a $1,000 fine and up to one year in jail. Well, I'm not sure what that means. Does that mean if they want to arrest President Trump, the Secret Service is going to block it? Yes, they can, according to what Bongino said. Unless my interpretation was wrong, basically the Secret Service dictates everything. Well, I don't know uh, if there's a special set of laws for that, but I highly doubt that that's the correct interpretation. If, for instance, if Donald Trump shot and killed someone and he's going to be charged with murder, the Secret Service is going to run in there and say, oh, no, you're not. You're not going to charge him. I don't think that's possible. 
Uh, Kevin, I'm just telling you what I heard on Bongino's show yesterday, according to him. Right, well, if that's what he said, if that's what he said, um, I'm not a Secret Service agent, and Bongino's not a lawyer. So um, if that's what he said, I would disagree with his interpretation of the law. I, I have no, have never heard of any statute anywhere that allows for anyone to be protected if they're going to be charged. Well, I just thought I'd pass that along, my friend, not being a Secret Service agent or an attorney. No, I'm glad you did because it it allows us to correct the record. There is no way that's correct. Absent the the, uh, establishment of some new law that I'm completely unaware of. That's always a possibility. He he did quote a statute. I apologize. I don't remember the statute number, but he did quote a statute and seemed to be very adamant. Now, I'm sure within there, with the exception of rape, robbery, murder, stuff like that. Uh, I, I'm sure there's exceptions. I, I didn't do my homework, so shame on me. But I just thought I'd pass that along to you, my friend, because I found it quite interesting. Well, it might be interesting, but it also might be fantasy land. And I just don't see any validity to it whatsoever. Uh, unless well, but, there's a statute that I'm not aware of, but I don't think there is. Uh, that well, that but, is that is th- That would go against all rule of law in this country. If the Secret Service could protect a former president just because he's a former president. Uh, look, I don't believe you should go around charging former presidents with anything unless you have the goods. And you better have the goods. And you better have them beyond beyond dispute. So certain of it that you've got this guy that you don't have any doubts whatsoever that no one could rule otherwise. That's when you go after a former president. And they don't have that. And they never have. And they never will. Well, not only that, uh, based upon what you told me with the testimony of uh, Michael Cohen's attorney, there, there's no case based upon his testimony. They have no case. They do have a case against Cohen, but they have no case against Donald Trump. Well, yeah, you know, there will be nothing nothing will happen there. Again, my friend, I apologize. I just thought I'd pass that along to you. When I get to work later on tonight, I'm going to do a little bit of research because I already know you're going to. You bet. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Take right. care. Great show. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah, I don't know exactly what Bongino said. If he said something like that, I think he's way out of line. He's way off base. Now, the Secret Service might be able to supervise the booking or may be able to facilitate a booking whereby it's done virtually. That could be. But I don't think there is any scenario under which the Secret Service would usurp a prosecutor's ability to arrest and charge someone. I just don't, in my wildest dreams, can't imagine it. I can't imagine the liberal media, but some of them are questioning everything that's going on with these liberal psychos, even though they're liberal psychos. Erin Burnetta of MSNBC or CNN, wherever she works now, says there's a guy. There's a guy whose name is uh, John Robinson Walker. He gets $3 million from a Chinese-based company and proceeds to wire it out to a bunch of people named Biden, one of whom is Hunter Biden. Another one is a company that belongs to the president's brother, James Biden, and another amount of money to Beau Biden's uh, widow, Hallie. So, again, from a layperson, that doesn't look good. From a layperson, that doesn't look good. From a layperson, what we're seeing with President Trump doesn't look good for the prosecutor. Why doesn't she just say, as a journalist, these payments going to the Biden family are shocking? 
By the way, you know who's going to rat out the Bidens? It's going to be Hallie Biden. Because she's just now discovering that her $35,000 payment or 25000 whatever it was, from this shell corporation that came directly from China, which she probably thought at the time was, woo, whoop-de-doo, this is cool. I just got to check for about thirty grand, thirty-five grand. She's now finding out that there was about $3 million divvied up between everybody else. And she didn't get that. So if she has anything to say, she'll probably say it. Meantime, like Aaron Burnett in the Biden case, the liberal media just doesn't think these charges will help the libs. I don't think the New York case is where I would keep my focus. I just think to be, to lift this hush money payment to the level of a felony strikes me, and from what I've read, strikes a lot of people as a bit of a, a stretch. I think we could see a rallying effect from his supporters. It could be that more people are turned off by this. I just don't think we know. But I will say the Democrats are also sort of privately expressing some of the same concerns, questions about why Alvin Bragg has decided to bring, potentially bring these charges now after uh, Mm -hmm. previous prosecutors had passed on this. I think it just strengthens him with his base. Well, I do too. I'm surprised to hear liberals say it. Very surprised. But it's interesting, isn't it? They're worried. They're scared to death. They're thinking, oh, my God, the chance that we have to get Donald Trump and you're going to try this? This is going to blow up in your face. And then anything you try to do after that, Donald Trump could probably go out and rob a bank, but they'll never be able to charge him because of this. And that's what they're thinking. They still want him, but they want you to keep digging. But then there are the liberal psychos. Jennifer Rubin, Paul Butler, Mika Brzezinski, the bobblehead to her husband, Joe Scarborough, and then Al Sharpton, you know, the reverend, who looks for his information, not from Dan Bongino or the Secret Service, but the Bible. Here's a compilation of these lunatics. Simply because he may have committed worse crimes, you don't let him off of lesser crimes. If you are, for example, seeking a prosecution for murder, if the guy gets caught drunk driving in another context before that, you don't just let him go because you have bigger fish to fry. Nobody is above the law, including Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that this is kind of a minor crime compared to some of the other allegations. A crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. That's what anybody prosecuting or a judge would say. A crime is a crime is a crime, as Mika said. An indictment is an indictment is an indictment. When I hear people saying this is much ado about nothing, I think about all the members of Congress I served with and understanding every single one of them would have been charged and sent to jail had they done this. I was reading the Bible, which said that that a man sows, that he may also weep. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jesus, we all apologize, Jesus, to you on behalf of that charlatan, that creepy, weirdo, Martian-looking lying piece of crap Al Sharpton. That white-hating bigot who is one of the most sickening human beings ever created. And we know, Jesus, you didn't create him. He's a creation of Satan himself. Because you don't make mistakes. And he's a mistake. And so were the rest of them, though, if you listen to them. One said, if you commit murder, that doesn't mean you let them off for a DWI. These are all illiterate people 
none of whom are lawyers, not one of them is a lawyer, who fail to recognize that no matter what else, the statute of limitations has expired. So you can't charge him. So what does Bragg do? He tries to make it a felony by quoting some federal statute. Except Alvin Bragg isn't a U.S. attorney, and he can't bring a federal charge. So all of these babbling idiots don't know the basic problems with this case. I haven't even gotten to Michael Cohen, but before you get to Michael Cohen, the case is done. There is no case. Now, does that does, does that mean a Trump-hating judge in New York will dismiss a motion for dismissal? Of course, it is highly possible. But it will never succeed on appeal. They know it. Trump knows it. I know it. Any lawyer knows it. But the damage will have been done. This isn't about Donald Trump committing a crime, or this isn't about justice. This is about damaging Trump for a long enough period that it will cripple his reelection. That's all it's about. And I've never seen anything like it in history. Where you purposely try to bring charges when you know you can't bring them, you're barred by the statute. Then you decide, well, it's a, it's a federal issue, but you're not a federal prosecutor, so you can't bring charges. And your number one witness is a convicted perjurer who has lied, according to his lawyer, in over 330 emails. What more do you need to know, Al Sharpton? Which part of the Bible did you look at to find that out? Did you check the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not lie. Al Sharpton in the Bible. Now, there's a comedy. That's a sitcom. But... I love the Paul Butler guy. Nobody's above the law. I love how the liberals always say that. Yet they're above the law. They're never charged for actual crimes. But Mika Brzezinski lent her intellectual superiority to the whole discussion. A crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. There's a genius for you. And she claimed, with no, of course, evidence to back it up, that every judge and every lawyer will tell you that. That's what they would say. No, they wouldn't. You know why they wouldn't say that? They're not as dumb as you. They can actually form a coherent sentence. You won't hear a lawyer or a judge saying, a crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. Da 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 da. A crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. Bum ba dum ba da. Or they won't be saying, an indictment is an indictment is an indictment. Ba dum ba dum ba da. As her demented husband, Joe Scarborough, then said. And he says that everybody in Congress that he worked with as a congressman who couldn't get reelected, I might add, every one of them would have been sent to jail if they had done this. Sent to jail if they had done what? What crime? Have you noticed they won't tell you what crime was committed? Because there wasn't one. They'd go to jail if he, what he should have added was this. They'd all go to jail if they were Donald Trump. Because he's the only one that would even be a thought in the minds of a prosecutor to charge. But hey, we've learned some things today from that comedy team, Mika and Joe. It's hardly Burns and whatever his Gracie, 
uh, Gracie Allen and George Burns. Hardly that comedy routine. But these people are actually funnier. A crime is a crime is a crime. An indictment is an indictment is an indictment. That's what we heard. Now, two things are problematic with that. There hasn't been a crime, and there hasn't been an indictment. So we're not really sure what they're talking about. But they do love to hear themselves talk. Now, Mother Jefferson weighed in, of course, demented psychopath Maxine Waters. You know who she is. The woman who begged publicly for anyone and everyone to get up in the faces of cabinet members and any appointees in the Trump administration and make them feel like they're not wanted. So in other words, I'm telling you all to assault members of a cabinet, of a president's cabinet. I want you to assault them. That's Maxine Waters. She has the unmitigated gall to suggest that Trump is issuing some kind of cattle call for his supporters, of course, not supporters in her mind, the domestic terrorist to form. When he announces himself, it's almost like he's attempting to organize his domestic terrorists uh, to show up and to resist him being arrested. There are echoes to the rhetoric we saw this morning, uh, to what we saw uh, in the prelude to the January 6th uh, certification voting. His calling for violence and these other voices calling for violence really does echo January 6th. <laughs> They can't let go of that January 6th, can they? First of all, she just said his calling for violence. The only thing Donald Trump has said about this is that he expects to be arrested today. That sounds like a call for violence to me. His calling for violence. And she said others calling for violence. Who else did? He didn't. Who else did? Who are you talking about? A typical liberal just running their ignorant mouth without having anything to back it up. Nothing. <laughs> Maxine Waters, when he announces himself, what does that mean? Does anyone know what that means when you announce yourself? Does that mean when you say, hi, I'm here? Is that is that what it means? What does it mean to announce oneself? But according to her, when Donald Trump announces himself, he's calling on his domestic terrorists to commit violence the very woman who called on people to commit violence. In fact, along with Chuck Schumer, they're the only two people I've actually heard publicly beg people to commit violence. In Schumer's case, threaten people that he was going to commit violence. And these people weren't just ordinary people off the street. They were sitting Supreme Court justices. Not only was it a threat to their life and their family's life, it was a very not-so-subtle reminder that we're going to alter the way you rule on cases because we're going to threaten your life if you don't rule the way we tell you to rule. But Mother Jefferson has struck. She has been heard with all the marbles you could find that she shoves in her mouth when she talks. The woman who wants to commit violence, excuse me, wants you to commit it, now claims someone else wants people to commit violence. <laughs> what do we say about projection? What do we tell you for years that as soon as a Democrat accuses someone of something, it's because they're doing it themselves. Well, let's move momentarily to this bank fiasco. 
Did you know that if you are, as an American, if you were a depositor in the, let's say, Silicon Valley Bank, for instance, the one that's closing, failing, that your deposits are not protected before Chinese depositors get their money. You stand behind them in line. Now, that's against the law. The law is very clear. But because Joe Biden is owned by China, which means the United States is owned by China, Chinese depositors get their money before Americans do. Senator Tom Cotton noted that, and he knows the law. It's well known that Silicon Valley Bank was an access point for Chinese companies to get American money. And when you have one of these bank failures, foreign depositors are supposed to be in line behind American depositors. Yet the Biden administration confirmed to me on a conference call last week about this situation that they are, in fact, going to make whole Chinese depositors, companies that are almost certainly, in most cases, aligned with the Chinese Communist Party or the People's Liberation Army. How do you like that? How do you like them apples? I mean, it, it, it's it's so preposterous that you'd think we made it up, except that we didn't. If there was ever any doubt, and there isn't, as to who owns Biden and his corrupt crime family. It, the Chinese are there and they're front and center. And Gordon Chang, who knows all things China, laughs at Janet Yellen when he knows exactly what she could have done to facilitate American investors being made whole first. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says, well, I don't have any uh, legislative authority to discriminate against Chinese borrowers or lenders. But the point here is that the president of the United States can use his authority under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act of 1977, or more appropriately, the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917, and say, no, we're not paying these guys back. Senator Cotton is right that foreigners should stand behind Americans and certainly the Chinese, the enemy. The enemy. Biden promotes the enemy to the front of the line. Now, it goes without saying, if there was Biden money in that bank, the Chinese would not be at the front of the line. But neither would we. The Bidens, then the Chinese. That's how it works. Biden's first, Chinese second. And that's how you get your money back. We all know that, and Joe Biden will always tell you. I give you my word as a Biden. If you're a Biden, he gives you his word, and that is the truth, gospel truth, I might add. Anyone who gives you his word as a Biden, you know, like you sell your house and you tell the person that is buying it, I give him my word as a Biden. I'll sell it to you. You don't need a contract. I gave him my word as a Biden. That's tantamount to it's done. It's over. I think we should do away with marital vows in church when a, a woman and a man get married and they exchange vows. All they have to say is, I give him my word as a Biden. Are you going to cheat on me? I give him my word as a Biden, then I won't. Well, that's it then. Enough said. Hey, listen, can I borrow 20 grand? I'll I'll pay you back. I give you my word as a Biden. You think somebody would hand you 20 grand based on that? Doubtful. Very doubtful. 
And Gordon Chang also knows that when Joe Biden said it's not true that his family received all of this money from the Chinese government and through a shell corporation, I'm assuming he didn't realize the bank records were there. I'm assuming he didn't realize that Hunter Biden admitted he got the money and called it seed money. Gordon Chang, what say you? The spokesperson for Hunter Biden's legal team said that, oh, this is okay because this was seed money, good faith seed money. Now, in these types of transactions, nobody pays millions of dollars without a contract. So, you know, this, this, three million bucks. this, this is essentially an admission of corruption. And I'm sure that the House Oversight Committee is going to follow up on this. But this doesn't happen in the real world in the absence of payoffs, influence peddling and, yes, corruption. Have we ever heard more of the phrase, this doesn't happen in the real world? Or we we could also remind us that we've heard this phrase over and over again. In fact, I've uttered it repeatedly. I never thought I'd see this in the United States. But when we say it doesn't happen in the real world, this is the real world now. So yet it does happen. The liberals control the world, and so this happens every day without any accountability. Our research assistant was busy tracking down little Anthony Fauci and Muriel Bowser from Washington, D.C., the esteemed mayor of that corrupt city. What were they doing? They weren't just discussing COVID. They were going door to door trying to convince people, and this is part of a documentary that was done by PBS, where Fauci and Bowser are allowing this to be part of the documentary as if they're proud of it. They're proud of the way they were trying to coerce people into taking a vaccine that's become deadly. They knew it at the time. And they were paying people to take it. Now, they ran into one black man who came out on his porch while they stood down there, Fauci holding on to a railing as if he was holding on for dear life, telling him one lie after another, but he wasn't having it. He was so vastly intellectually superior to them, and all of his arguments were good. They weren't really arguments. They were simple points. But here's my question. How did Fauci and Bowser know that this guy hadn't been vaccinated? Who told them? I doubt he called them up. That would be one way. But we can eliminate that, can't we? So how did they know? Because they have records of every single person who didn't get vaccinated, including me. They know I didn't. They have no business knowing that. It's a violation of privacy laws, but they know. Or they wouldn't have known where to find this guy. But they are certainly sorry, I would imagine, when a sobering moment hits them, that they knocked on his door. People in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now. So I'm not going to be lining up taking a shot on a vaccination for something that wasn't clear in the first place. And then you all create a shot in miraculous time. It takes years to create vaccination. Well, it it used to take years. Okay, it used to. You know how how many years were invested in in this approach? About 20 years of science to get us to be able to do it. Not enough. 
And nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that you all came up with. The only yeah. reason I'm talking to you right now, as close as we are, is that I've been vaccinated. Right. But if it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, and not like, not it's like much the more serious flu. than the flu. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually, yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none, but the previous year, about 20 to 30,000. You know, how many people have died from COVID-19 in the United States? 600,000 Americans. Well, you, well, that, well, the, the number that you all given that died, that's, that's once again, that's you all's number. You gonna pass. Yeah, definitely. Because right. when, when you start talking about paying people to get vaccinated, when you start talking about incentivizing things to get people vaccinated, there's something else going on with that. Something yeah, else, something I, else going it on is something that. going yeah, on. Something else You're going right. On. But I'm glad millions of people like me and almost everybody here didn't get an incentive. You know what their incentive was? Protecting their health and protecting the city. Well, but that, I, I, well, I won't keep you anymore. It's okay because my, 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 my incentive, y'all, campaign is about fear. It's about inciting fear in people. You all attack people with fear. That's what this pandemic is. It's a fear. It's fear, this pandemic. That's all it is. Carp. Pay one billion times DM to that gentleman in Washington, D.C. They thought they could go after him because he's black. Uh, and so they thought they would have the superiority advantage. That's how bigoted these people are. Well, we'll be smarter than he is. He was so much smarter than they are. He was ready for everything they said. And everything he said was right. Those are your numbers. How about Fauci having the unmitigated balls to say, you know how many people died from the flu this year? Virtually none. That's because you categorized every death as COVID, you lying, rotten rodent. This guy's despicable. Little punk is all he is. And Bowser, how about her trying to shame the guy? Well, you know, let me tell you what, the rest of us right here, we're all vaccinated. And that's because our incentive was, our health, you wench, you rodent. And man, did he put them in their place when he said it's all about fear. Nothing more than fear. When they said, you know, this this virus, you're going to have to take this vaccination to pre- prevent any sickness. You mean like the common flu? <laughs> oh, that's just too good. And they put that in the documentary as if it made them look good. Can you be that stupid? Actually, they can. They are. You could not have looked dumber. How about Bowser lying to him? Do you know why I'm able to talk to you from this close? Because I've been vaccinated. (laughs) So they knew when they told him this that that was a lie, that being vaccinated does not prevent the spread of COVID, does not protect anyone else from getting it from you, does not protect you from getting it. They knew that when they approached this man's house. All the science and all the data that they constantly told you to pay attention to had already come in. Can you ever imagine in our nation's history the guy who's supposed to be the lead medical guy in the country in the government going house to house with a corrupt mayor and trying to shame people by paying them into taking an experimental drug. I mean, truthfully, where in the F do we live? But you just heard it. 
Here's a mystery that has now been solved for me anyway. Not where's Waldo, but where's Dinesh D'Souza? I used to look forward to D'Souza's, to D'Souza's commentator, uh, I can't talk, commentaries on either Laura Ingram's show or Tucker, sometimes on Hannity. And I noticed that he had disappeared in recent months. Little did I realize he hasn't been on since the end of April of last year. Funny how time flies. And back in April, he criticized Fox and criticized Tucker Carlson. Now he's wondering, where did the second night video from January 6th go to that Tucker Carlson promised? I was in Florida uh, with some people, and I didn't see the second night. So I don't know the second show if Tucker put video on or not. If he did, I'd appreciate people calling telling me what was on. But Dinesh D'Souza said there was nothing. And he wants to know what happened. Let's turn to Fox News. Uh, Tucker Carlson on day one released some clips. and They were like, wow, look at all this stuff coming out about the shaman guy. Look at all this stuff about Josh Hawley jogging across the corridor. Look at all this stuff about Brian Sicknick. And then nothing. The second day when was supposed to schedule to be a day of more footage, nothing. And then you're like, well, it takes time to go through this stuff. Whatever, it'll surely come out in the next day or the next day or the day after that or this week, nothing. And it looks like that's it. It looks like the, I won't say the fix is in, but I will, it looks like somebody dropped the hatchet on uh, Tucker Carlson. Interesting. I commended Tucker Carlson. I commended Fox leadership for allowing him to air that first night of footage. And that's what I had seen. And then after that, I guess something happened. What did happen? Now, the feud between Dinesh D'Souza and Fox goes back to last April when he criticized Tucker Carlson for not talking about his film, 2000 Mules, and Fox for essentially blacking it out and referring to it as something that had holes in it, that it wasn't true. Anyone who has seen 2000 Mules understands how true it was, backed with scientific evidence, video evidence, that the election was rigged. But Fox didn't want to hear about that because Fox is being sued by Dominion Voting Systems for $1.5 billion. Now, there's also some deposition testimony from Tucker Carlson, from other Fox hosts, and from Fox executives where they're ripping Donald Trump. Tucker Carlson, for instance, says, I hate him passionately in the deposition. There are text messages between Tucker and someone else that they can't wait to be rid of Donald Trump. So I have mixed emotions about Tucker Carlson. There are nights when I believe he is a true patriot and sometimes an American hero for standing up. And then there are other times when I think, what's going on here? Were those text messages real that were leaked out? Was it all propaganda? Did Tucker really say those things? Because there he was last night, once again, he says he's not defending Donald Trump, but he is because he's defending what's going on with Donald Trump, that it's wrong. Now, you might 
be truthful when you say I would defend anybody in his position. I would, so probably he would too. But we're still defending Donald Trump's position because it's the right position. But to say I hate him passionately, if I recall just a few months ago, Tucker Carlson went over to Bedminster where Donald Trump's golf club is in New Jersey, and they were hosting a live tournament. And Tucker Carlson was doing a piece on the live golf And he was hanging with Donald Trump, laughing and kidding around like they were old buddies. That's odd behavior for someone who hates someone passionately. So who is the real Tucker Carlson? He needs to stand up and be heard. Stand up and be counted. Did he say these things? And if he did, why are you hanging out with him, gallivanting around the club, laughing, shaking hands, hugging, like old buddies? On the flip side, if those things in the deposition are not true, where has Tucker's voice been? Why hasn't he said they're not true? Now, we understand why he wouldn't comment on Fox silencing him, if indeed that's what happened. And Dinesh D'Souza recognizes that, too. But he believes the 99% probability is that the executives at Fox shut him down after Schumer made threats and ordered Fox to do so. This is the 99% possibility is after the first day. And let's remember, Chuck Schumer went on the Senate floor. Rupert Murdoch, I demand that you stop Tucker Carlson. And then guess what? Somebody stopped Tucker Carlson. And who would have the power to do that? No, it's not the um, it's not the. Um, uh, it's not even Suzanne uh, Scott, the um, CEO of Fox News. Uh, these are orders that are coming from above. And that would mean most likely either Lachlan Murdoch, the son of Rupert Murdoch, who is sort of the de facto guy that people at Fox report to, or Rupert Murdoch himself. That's a pretty logical conclusion. If these things didn't happen. I mean, very logical, right? Now, why doesn't Tucker say something? Well, I think Dinesh understands completely why not. Now, why doesn't he just come forward and say, hey, listen, they blocked me. I can't uh, release the footage. And the answer is somebody writes his paychecks or somebody writes the paychecks of everybody at Fox. They cannot admit the truth. And this is really, I think, the big problem with Fox is you get a little window into the fact that there are some people at Fox, not everybody, but some people who are kind of laughing and deriding uh, not only Trump, but the Trumpsters, the MAGA crowd. And yet at the same time, they're very aware that they need the MAGA crowd. They need the Trumpsters to keep Fox News in the kind of massive, massively profitable, high ratings cable network that it is. And so you've got a very duplicitous two-step in which they try to give the MAGA people just enough while at the same time satisfying the feuds and vendettas that apparently the Murdoch family is now a part of. Wow. Strong stuff. Strong accusations. Now you have to listen and think, does Dinesh D'Souza have an axe to burn and an axe to grind on this? Yes, he does. 
Fox tried to discredit his film 2,000 Mules. Tucker Carlson discredited it. Brett Baer, of course, always discredits anything that's pro-Trump. Brett Baer is the one who's discredited. He's the least credible person on television, and that includes all the mouthpieces at CNN and MSNBC, because Brett Baer is essentially one of them. And while he's at it, he might want to get a haircut that befits the 2000s and not the 1950s. But I'm being picky. That's terrible. I shouldn't do that. At least the guy has a lot of hair. So Dinesh's accusations are strong. They seem perfectly logical. But we have to consider that he is not thrilled with Fox News. We brought you the story a few weeks ago of Simon Atibo. He is a black reporter from Africa. He covers the White House. For a long time, a period of time, he was called upon by the little black lesbian, Karine Jean-Pierre. But then she stopped calling on him because he started to ask aggressive questions that demanded answers, and she doesn't want to hear that. He then appeared on Tucker's show and talked about what was happening, that he had gone in and asked what's going on. Of course, they won't tell you. So yesterday she had some bizarre moment in the press briefing room with Ted Lasso and the actors from his show talking about mental health. Keep in mind, none of them are doctors, but they're there talking about mental health. I don't get it. But liberals have always enjoyed rubbing elbows with celebrities. They aren't celebrities, but they love sucking up to celebrities. So Simon Atibo took this moment to ask questions about why he's being discriminated against. The unbelievable part of this is not that he was asking legitimate questions about it. The unbelievable part was, rather than supporting him, his fellow quote-unquote journalist from the Reuters group and the AP And CNN all screamed at him. One of them called him pal. And then he was scolded by Karine Jean-Pierre, the little black lesbian. This is China. This is Russia. This is the United States. This is the White House. What has just occurred this last 10, 15 minutes is unacceptable. It's concru- it, it is unacceptable. So we're gonna. So we're either going to continue the briefing, or we can just end the briefing right here. You little pompous, arrogant rodent. And how about those gutless cowards? Let me name them for you: Jeff Mason of Reuters, Brian Coran of CNN, Zeke Miller of the Associated Press. Actually, apologized to. The little black lesbian. But what they said, 
The press corps is tired of dealing with this. Mind your manners, they told him. Mind your manners? Why didn't they just say, mind your manners, boy? Aren't you stepping on a line, boy? Do you know who we are? We're the clan, boy. I mean, that's the way it sounded. These white reporters telling him to mind his manners. This is 2023 in a country that Biden claims is Jim Crow 2.0, and yet there are his allies, white people, attacking a black man from Africa and telling him he must mind his manners, boy, and you don't speak for us, pal. It's despicable. And that little rodent, she's or he, whatever it is, it's disgusting. And then they trotted out John Kirby, the pathological liar from Biden's regime, to talk about the meeting that took place uh, between Xi of China and Putin of Russia yesterday. And Peter Ducey wanted to know why Biden or where Biden fits in in all this. It seems like this, uh, these two superpowers are teaming up now against the U.S. Why did President Biden let this happen? These are two countries that have long chafed. This is not something that uh, these two countries just cooked up since President Biden got elected. Do you think that Putin and Xi fear President Biden? You'd have to ask them whether, whether they fear or, or, or they not. Okay. It is not about fear. It's about President Biden advancing our foreign policy goals around the world. Really? What are your foreign policy goals around the world? By the way, these are two countries who have long chafed. <laughs> what is he talking about? Is he indicating they don't get along? Well, that's the point, you jackass. All of a sudden, they are getting along in unity against us. This this just didn't start it with President Biden. No, they've hated each other forever until Biden. Now that he's unified them. Can't unify this country, but he unified Russia and China. And when Peter Ducey asked him if he thinks, he thinks, meaning what's your opinion, does she or Putin fear Biden? His answer was, you'd have to ask them. No, no, no. He asked you what you think. They can't speak for you. He asked you your opinion, not their opinion, your opinion. If someone says to me, Kevin, what's your opinion of the Cardinals? Am I supposed to respond by saying, why don't you ask someone else? No, you ask me for my opinion. And I'll give you my opinion anytime you ask. A little later on, Kirby was asked about the ceasefire proposed by Xi to Putin. If they call for a ceasefire, you believe Ukraine should and will reject that? Yes, we do, and we would uh, reject it as well. We think that that's an unacceptable outcome right now. Uh, obviously, we want the fighting to stop. We want the war to be over. And as I said, it could end today if Mr. Putin would do the right thing. But the call for a ceasefire right now basically ratifies what they've been able to grab inside Ukraine and gives them time and space uh, to prepare for future operations, and that's just not going to be acceptable. So who's calling the shots? 
Biden has always said that the war is decided by Ukraine and the people of Ukraine and Zelensky. They'll decide when they've had enough or they'll decide when done the war. But apparently the United States is deciding it. You just heard Kirby admit it. Yeah, we expect that Ukraine would reject the peace proposal, and we would as well. We were not involved, I thought. And it wouldn't be acceptable to us, he said, unless Putin does the right thing. What's the right thing? Now, any reporter just out of journalism school would have followed up with when he gave that opening. You mentioned, unless Putin does the right thing, what is the right thing in your eyes? But she didn't. She didn't at all. We would reject it as well. We want to see the war end just like everybody else. No, you don't. No, you don't. Liberals have always been in favor of war. They start them, they get us into them, and then they leave the cleanup for a Republican. Every time. Glenn Greenwald is a real investigative reporter. Do we really want to end this war, Glenn Greenwald? From the very beginning, it's been clear that the U.S. wants this war to continue and wants it to go on for as long as possible because they have no interest in protecting Ukraine. They instead want to sacrifice Ukraine, have Ukraine destroyed in order to advance what they think is the United States political interest, geopolitical interest of weakening Russia. And the way to do that is to use Ukraine as a pawn kill as many Ukrainians as possible, destroy their whole country if they have to, in order to prolong the war as long as possible. And the response of the U.S. government and its defenders has been, we don't have any position about when the war ends. That's completely up to the Ukrainians. When they want to end the war, they can end the war. If they don't, we'll support them. And the lie just got revealed. If you listen to what John Kirby said, they asked him, are the Ukrainians willing to have a ceasefire? And he said, not only won't they, we won't allow it either. Essentially admitting finally what's long been obvious that the country funding the war, providing the arms for the war, which is the United States, determines if and when the war ends. And we obviously don't want that war to end. There's no question they don't want that war to end. It serves always as a major distraction to the shenanigans and the corrupt behavior and corrupt actions of Biden, his crime family, and the entire regime. It's a perfect distraction. Anytime someone's closing in on their corrupt behavior, oh, by the way, let's send some more to Ukraine so they can people talking about Ukraine. And Putin is responsible for your gas prices. <laughs> Everything they say is a lie. You want to get frightened? Do you have a safety deposit box? Have you ever had one? If you have one now, I'm about to scare the bejesus out of you. A woman by the name of Linda Martin in California tells us a story about what happened with her safe deposit box that she and her husband were using to save to buy a home. They were the victims of an FBI raid where her deposit box was, supposedly in a secure facility. I felt misled. I felt um, just angry, you know. I'm still angry. At the FBI, they just, they can get, they feel like they can get away with anything. And I just feel like it's unfair they raided the U.S. US private vaults back in 2021. Um, my husband and I did have a box there. Uh, we put it there because we thought it was a safe place and it would be, you know, less, it would be convenient for me as far as not being able to go get money out so easily. We found out through the local news, 
my husband watching the local news and um, he just called my name and he said, look, this is our place. This is the U.S. private vault. And I just couldn't believe it. I, I really didn't believe it. And I sat down and started watching the news with him. And it was actually the uh, FBI is raiding our private vault place. They didn't tell us why they took our money. They haven't told us why as of yet. They just took it. Now you say, well, of course, that's not legal. Well, Bill Bel- Bill Belden is an attorney with the Institute for Justice. Is it legal, Bob? I said Bob Belden. It's Bob. I said Bill. It's Bob Belden. Is it legal? Unfortunately, this is legal. Civil forfeiture is a uh, a process in the United States where law enforcement can take property from people who have never been charged with a crime, and the type of forfeiture that that our client Linda Martin finds herself in now is called administrative forfeiture, where no judge is involved, no standard of decision, no hearing, no judicial review, no internal appellate review, except for a request for for reconsideration. And it's really a system where the agency is the, not only the prosecutor, judge, and jury, but also, uh, if you can imagine, a governor or a president thinking about giving a pardon in administrative forfeiture, they have decided already they get to keep the property forever unless they decide to give it back uh, out of the goodness of their heart. Wow. And what did Linda Martin and her husband do wrong? So in the eyes of us, we haven't done anything wrong. We work and we saved our money because we were trying to save and buy a house. And basically, it's just, I mean, I really can't even talk because it's, it's just mind-boggling. You know, I just, I have no words to say because it's it's just unfair. It's beyond unfair. I don't doubt Bob Belden's word that it's legal. It shouldn't be legal. It should be changed immediately. Lobby your senator or your congressperson to get that changed. That should not be allowed. But more than that, it shows you how... Sean Hannity and his ilk are so full of crap when they keep sucking up to the rank and file of the FBI. This is your rank and file of the FBI. This is what they do to everyday citizens. They steal your money. Why? Because they want to. There's no accounting. You heard the attorney say that. No one knows where that money went, but I'll guarantee you I know. It went into the pockets of the corrupt FBI. That's where it went. That organization is so filled with corruption, that building does need to be burned down with nobody in it, mind you. But they need to be forced to start over. Rid the world of every person in the FBI. Fire every one of them. Every last one of them. Because they're all rotten human beings, except for the whistleblowers. The whistleblowers are not. But everyone that works at the FBI is a son of a bitch. And they don't care about taking your money. They don't care about destroying your life. They don't care about arresting you for nothing in the middle of the night with an armed battalion that looks like a war in Ukraine. They don't care. They don't care what they do to you. They don't care about arresting an old man, a lawyer, putting him in handcuffs, taking his phone away in public so they can display how tough they are, these cowards. 
Every FBI agent that you know is an effing coward. They are cowards. Every single one of them, because if they weren't, they'd quit. They'd recognize that they work for the most corrupt law enforcement agency in the world, more corrupt than the KGB, more corrupt than the secret police, because that's exactly what they are. They are rotten to the core. Every last one of them. And if one of them was here today, I'd tell them right to their face. Thank God I don't know any of them, or I would tell them to their face. They are low-rent people, scumbags of the earth, who harass people, ruin people's lives because they have police power. You want to defund police? Don't defund police departments around the country. Defund the FBI. Finish the FBI once and for all. I've heard claims from different Republican Congress people that that's what they're going to do. Marjorie Taylor Greene said she won't vote to fund the FBI anymore until they give us what they what they're supposed to be giving. They won't even turn over papers and documents to the uh, to the uh, Congress that have been requested by law. They don't care. The FBI comply with the law? Are you serious? You must be kidding. They're above the law. What's happening to that couple? is disgusting. I will take a quick break, and our phone lines will be open, 636-538-0746, 538-0746. Get your questions ready, because I'm sure you have some. What's going on in this country is as bad as it's ever been, and it's getting worse. Never thought I could say that. It's been so bad. But it is. It's getting a lot worse. And who can do something about it? We can. Question is, will we? I was flying down the highway, weaving in and out of traffic. I was racing time. An old man pulled out in front of me And I went crazy as can be I lost my mind I blew my horn till I got close enough to see And what was on his car tax convicted me The I should salute you from this heart of mine Thank you for placing your life on the line for me I'm free I pray that the rest of your journey is a peaceful one And may you take your own sweet time Cast his fate across 
across the sea would we do the same? Well, I sure bet he's got some stories he can tell. Ain't that many ever made it back from hell? B-O-W-369 I should salute you from this heart of mine Thank you for laying your life on the line for me Welcome you back in, Kevin Slayton, with you on this Monday, or excuse me, on this Tuesday morning. I've got my days mixed up again. It's easy to do. That's what elderly people do. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But it is Tuesday, in case you didn't know. Now you do. <laughs> and all we can tell you is this. We live in, an, in a, a country so corrupt that it scares me. It scares me more and more every day. Who knows where it's going to go to? Donald Trump issued a statement, by the way, on that ceasefire. He said, the greatest threat to Western civilization today is not Russia. It's probably more than anything else ourselves and some of the horrible USA-hating people that represent us. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I certainly see a lot of truth in that. No question in my mind. So what do we do about it? Well, we go get good windows. That's what we do about it. Call Window World, 314-993-1800, and you'll get a free in-home estimate from the company that, not just a slogan, but it's reality. They're simply the best for less, and they'll come to your home, and they'll prove it to you. That's how they operate at Window World. They'll prove it to you. And they'll prove to you why they're the preferred window of the Blues, the official window of the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. They'll prove to you why they're number one in windows sold in our country. They'll prove to you why I got my windows from Window World after hail had broken through my windows. And a lot of the things they'll do to prove it to you involve their spectacular lifetime warranty. It covers all parts, glass breakage, and labor. They use double-strength glass at Window World. That's unique in the window business. It's not an upsell item. 
And if you compare prices with the competition, you'll find that Window World will cost you for the same product, same kind of windows, same number of windows, about one-third of what the competition is going to charge you. That's a fact. Here's another benefit you'll get from Window World Windows. Your utility bills, hopefully like mine, will come down. Mine did. I didn't have my cool air in the summer escaping in the warm air in, the hot air, actually. And in the wintertime, my warm furnace air doesn't leave out and let the cool air and cold air come in. And my air conditioner and furnace don't run 24-7 because they don't need to. Window World offers you 18 months, same as cash financing with approved credit. You want to know how tough those windows are? I've jumped on them, stood on them, kicked them on the showroom floor. I couldn't crack them, couldn't crease them, couldn't break them or damage them in any way. 314-993-1800. That's Window World. They'll come out and give you that free in-home estimate. All right, our phone lines are open. 636-538-0746. If you want to jump in and weigh in on any of the things we've talked about today, from the testimony, the bomb, you want to talk bombshell testimony of Robert Costello in the Trump case or the bogus attempt at the United States to claim they want peace in Ukraine or letting Chinese depositors line up in front of American depositors with regard to getting their money from the Silicon Valley Bank at the direction of Biden's White House. It's a violation of law, but they don't care. Dinesh D'Souza on why Tucker Carlson didn't uh, bring us more footage from the January 6th footage, 40,000 hours of it that he had. Good morning, Matt. You're first up. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Slate. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, good morning. Good. Easter's only a few weeks away. That's a refreshing time if you embrace with a meaning and Repent, but it just reminds me of what a horrible Christian I am and how I just am not leading my best life yet. But, well, I mean, that's when you, if you, God forbid, listen to the news and watch this stuff. What you just played about that quote unquote civilian for, forfeiture, that, that's just theft. That is disgusting. They, it they really is. Do this to it angers me to the point, you know, when I, I, I use a, a sort of a metaphor, well, that's the building you ought to burn down, meaning these crazy lefties who burn down police buildings and everything. Uh, and, of course, I don't want anybody burning any buildings down. But this is where the seat of corruption is in law enforcement. It's sitting squarely yeah. in the FBI offices under one of the most corrupt people ever created in this human race, and that's Christopher Ray. Yeah, he's disgusting. I mean, and like, as you well point out, he's just following, following along in a long line of criminal FBI leaders. It's just, it, it's incredible if you if people get out and pick up a book and do a little bit of research and get some education. How disgusting this country has become, and the corruption at every level that it just continues. And, and it, how angry would you be if you were in that woman's uh, position? Were well, you no, I'd be in jail. Because I would I, too. People, I'd be in jail. There's no I'd question. Be, people would be dead. You went in and stole my money that they you worked hard for and then just say we're not going to give it back. When you, you have not committed a crime, they don't serve you with a warrant or anything, that's a federal crime to steal from a bank. Who, who, I, whoever put that law into place? I heard the attorney that, say that it's legal. How, how did that ever become legal? 
That's like the eminent domain. If that was eminent domain and those laws were made, so like if they want to expand the highway or if a city wants to make us a situation or an area better and there's an abandoned building that nobody's done anything with, that's what that was created for. Not to kick people out of their houses, not to take their property. I would. I'd lose it. I'd, well, get, there, I'd there, get a firearm and I would get revenge. In the eminent Wrong. domain case, if there is a legitimate reason for them to need uh, an easement through your property, they'll they'll make you whole. The government does make you whole when that happens. In this case, they're robbing you. They're stealing your money. They're not giving it back. There's no reason for them taking it. There's no legitimate reason whatsoever, any reason. You didn't no. do anything wrong, and they're not even accusing you of doing anything wrong. They're just taking what? your money. Based I'm on gonna, what? Yeah, I, gotta, I was paying attention, but obviously not close enough and missed her name. I'm going to research that and see where that where that happened exactly. I, I didn't am hear too. What I'm going to find out who's responsible for that law and why that's legal. That's insane. That poor lady. I don't care. And you know what? I, For the life of me, usually I can hear somebody's name or their tone, and you can address or assign an ethnicity or skin color to them. That didn't even cross my mind in this. I was so in, <laughs> infuriated by this situation. And that doesn't matter whatsoever. But that That is just pure ignorance and criminal. It's just, <laughs> I mean, my blood is boiling. That that can happen in this country, this day and age. That is sickening. You could hear it in her voice. She couldn't even talk. Yeah, it, it was it was brutal. I mean, I can only imagine what her husband must think. This, and then you had to mention that idiot Hannity's name. Have you caught a, a a bit of his show lately? What he's done? No, I don't even watch him. He he is. I was watching uh, Tucker Carlson's show, and I can't remember the topic. It was so interesting. So I just nothing else was on. I hung on. Watch the first three minutes of Hannity, which is three minutes of my life I'll never get back. But he has now implemented a live studio audience trying to copy Greg Gugfeld. He has it every night now trying to boost his ratings. He's dropping like a rock. It's, I have it's noticed insane. that. I have I have noticed when I've seen clips that there's always a live audience, and he's not wearing a tie. And he, he thinks that – I always love when some – it's probably a consultant – or, a, or an executive who said, you know, let's take the tie off. That'll that'll draw viewers. So this is how illiterate they think their viewers are, that you're sitting at home and you'll go, you know, I really hate Hannity. Oh, but wait a minute. He's not wearing a tie anymore. I'll watch him now, even though I hate him. It has nothing to do with your tie, you jackass. It's him. And that's exactly why they've got a live audience. They think he's in trouble ratings-wise. I got news for Fox. They're in trouble. This is the same crap they pulled when the election rigging took place and they tried to discredit anyone who thought the election needed to be reviewed, just reviewed. People just wanted answers. And as soon as that happened, Fox started criticizing it. And then people turned tuned away. And that's when they, Oh, we better do a quick reversal and get people back in. If I was Newsmax or OAN or any of these, any other news organization, I would back up a Brinks truck to Tucker to leave and come to my, station i do i do too and i think tucker as i said earlier i think he has some answering to do uh, he does based on what uh those texts showed uh if those are indeed are true then he needs to explain them if they're not true then he needs to let us know they're not true yeah and i believe he'll ignore it because it'll go away and he won't have to answer for it he'll ignore it he's ignored it all this time he's going to continue to ignore it but 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 another another question to ask him is why are you hiding the january 6th footage 
Yeah, I watched that Tuesday, and I don't remember that there was anything really new. He um, he basically reiterated everything he did on Monday. He showed videos mostly that he showed from the night before. I think there was one, there was one new one before uh, Miss Babbitt was was murdered. Um, but there was not not nothing like the night before. He definitely curtailed from what I believe, because I, ha- I had recorded Monday and had to go back and watch it, and that Tuesday was um, it just not, it was anticlimactic, for lack of a better phrase, yeah. considering promised, all the buildup. He promised a and, lot of, yeah, he promised a lot of, with a lot of buildup, he promised a lot of things and didn't deliver. Yeah. All right, Matt, and, I appreciate the call. Yeah, Miss Borland was the other lady who got beaten to death by the police That's that nobody right. talks about. That's right. She got trampled. Yeah. So what, they ran over. Yeah. All right. Oh. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Keep Thank it you, up. Matt. You bet. You too. That is despicable, isn't it? But this FBI, I tell you, it's every day, it seems like. And imagine the stuff we're hearing about. Imagine what we're not hearing about. These are only the things we know. I mean, if Tucker Carlson hadn't aired the footage of January 6th, we wouldn't have known any of that stuff. Now, we knew the reports of Brian Sicknick being beaten to death with a fire extinguisher were lies. Imagine a media that lies like that and never corrects the story. First of all, You never, at least I was taught in journalism school, you never put a story on the air that hasn't been corroborated by at least two people. Reputable people. But every one of those liberal networks put that on the air as if it were fact. They didn't corroborate it with anyone. Because if they had, they would have found that it wasn't true. Very interesting, right? Good morning. You're on the Window World King's Court. How are you? Hello. Hi, Kevin. Hey, hey Kevin, you, this is Doug. I'm sorry. How you doing, Doug? You were cutting out. Good. Uh, I was just going to add real quick to, I don't think I have much more to add about the Tucker second show, but um, he didn't let up on telling everyone how we'd been lied to and the January 6th committee lied and everything else on his second show. But I thought he was going to go into the Ray Epps things, Ray Epps issue more. And I don't think he did. Yeah, which is kind of what he promised. I, yes. And I, I was going to go back and watch it, too. I think I still have it DVR'd, but I just didn't have a chance. been watching too much basketball. Um, but um, I, I think that was the big thing is he didn't go after Ray Epps like he said he was going to. And possibly other FBI informants as well. So I, I just kind of wanted to add that. Um, to what the previous caller said. Well, I appreciate that, yeah, because I, I remembered he had promised some things, and so it was very generic from what I had heard and seen. And then when I heard um, Dinesh D'Souza, I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. Right, right. But, you know, on, like I said, on the other, he's he's gone after him big time about the lies. I mean, he did not let up on that at all. But in terms of more... Um, Video footage, he didn't go there. That's that's for sure, like we expected. Yeah, I thought he would. Okay, thanks. Doug, thanks, thank Kevin. you. We appreciate the info. Take care. Yeah, that's too bad because Ray Epps was someone we all wanted to know about. 
which is sad because we wanted to know. Well, doesn't matter now, right? We hope Tucker somehow is able to broadcast that footage. But I do understand when you're making about $20 million a year (laughs) and your boss says no, despite your own great intentions, it's no. Although, there's no question, as Matt said, someone else would hire Tucker Carlson so fast it wouldn't even be funny. And it would destroy Fox News if he left. That's going to wrap us for tonight, folks, or for today, I should say. We appreciate you listening as always, and we thank you for your support. And we're back fighting the good fight again tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock Central Time right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com in the Window World Kings Court. The only place you can hear us live is right here on our website. But you can hear the podcast not only here, but on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, Anchor, and any other place that has great podcasts. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everyone.